Hello and welcome back to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Rich Pasqua and joining us today is Kevin Callahan, CEO of Uniblock, a free platform that sits on top of the best developer tools and provides a simple unified API gateway to the world of Web3 technologies. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, we're we're excited to have you. Um, and you've you've got a pretty pretty cool background, uh, having worked with Twitter and most recently Coinbase. That's a pretty big thing for uh, feather in your hat, I, hat, I should say, for being in the Web three world. Um, great exposure. Um, and we're going to get into a, more about you and Uniblock as we go through the, the interview. Um, but one of the things you and I, Kevin, had a conversation, I think, a week or two ago. And uh, you've got a pretty interesting background in tech, Web3. I always like to ask, you know, founders, CEOs, CTOs, the people really kind of creating the tools that we use on Web3. How did your journey start in Web3? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me specifically, I have a passion for finance and personal finance and helping people to kind of achieve their their goals and being able to, you know, get outside of this cycle of working just to survive. So that's one part of just like my psyche I'm very interested in. And then clearly entrepreneurship and tech is something else. And um, over the course of my career, they kind of converged. And so I, I tell a story about, I worked at a company called Wattpad, which was the largest social network for writers with about hundred million users, and then Twitter, and then Coinbase. And one thing that all those three uh, platforms have in common is Union Square Ventures, uh, Fred Wilson and Albert Wanger. And they are some of the earliest investors uh, in a lot of the different projects and uh, protocols that we enjoy. And so uh, at the time, Fred used to write his daily uh, blog. It was very well known for it, and he did it for a decade plus. And so starting in maybe 2015, I started reading more of his blogs, talking about kind of smart contracts and you know Ethereum and talking a little bit more about how um, that technology was evolving. And so that started to kind of you know pique my interest and that, that's how it started. So clearly I was aware of, of Bitcoin and he opened my mind to kind of like how it can evolve. And so that started probably 2014, 2015 and continues to today. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a similar uh, journey that I had as well. Um, sitting in a, a room full of tech technologists and developers uh, and you, you can't help but hear some of the underground rumblings of Bitcoin back in the day, whether it be 2015, 16, whatever it may be. I think it was 2013 for me and I, I it was completely foreign. And, you know, you look first, you look at it from a monetary standpoint and then you read the white paper and you're like, wow, this not only can change technology, but really the human interaction between technology and, and people themselves. So very, very, very exciting. Um, and a great start to Web3. And here you are, right? So um, can you, you know, we're going to, let's, let's dive into Uniblock because it really is an interesting uh, set of tools. Can you give us like the high level and then maybe we'll just peel back uh, the layers a little bit as we go, the high yeah. level of it. Yeah. So we, uh, we are builders by, uh, by trade, by, by heart. And so 
we were building lots of different projects for ourselves, for our friends, for customers. And so we had, you know, front row seats to Alchemy, Morales, uh, Quicknode, all the best tools. And, um, you know, we started to realize that we were using all these different APIs across all these different um, products and services. And, you know, we started to think, well, there's gotta be a, an easier way to kind of do this. And so uh, when we started to think about it, it became clear that there was an opportunity to um, create a layer that abstracts away all the complexity. And what I mean by that is their APIs don't necessarily all work together. Um, they're, they have you know, different billing cycles, they have different um, you know, ways to work together. And so when we kind of sit on top of that, we make it a lot easier for the developers. And so uh, when you work through us, again, you get access to dozens of different tool sets, you get uh, fallback. So if one of them breaks, we'll automatically give you another one. If that one breaks, we'll give you another one. We can load balance, we can do all these really interesting things. And then even little things that might not seem annoying, like for example, having five different bills that are you know, charging across the course of a month or having you know, five different uh, API keys. So we just try to make everything a lot easier. So uh, we have one case study that we've launched or just released that uh, we, so we saved one of our customers about $200,000 in upfront cost. Um, we also saved them about three months of work, which is really nice. Then of course, over the course of the project, we're saving them a few hundred dollars in payments every month. And then we save them about 0.5 FTE because a lot of these tools break, as you know, or they're really new, so they're constantly evolving. And so you have to stay on top of it. And that 0.5 FTE now doesn't necessarily have to make sure all the tools are you know, still working together. They can work on the actual product. So. Um, yeah, we're releasing that, um, that case study that kind of just shows like we've saved this, this particular company $300,000 in the first year and then ongoing, it'll continue on. So that's who we are. Uh, that's what we're doing. That's the problem that we're trying to solve. You and I had spoke, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, as I mentioned, and, you know, as I was trying to kind of understand, uh, Uniblock's world and your world a little bit better, you, you, you brought up a good point. Um, Kevin, in the sense that, you know, there's tons of people starting businesses out there, right? But if you really identify a white space and a, and a, and a need and a gap within an industry, whether it be small, medium or large, that is the best way to kind of go about it. And that's what I'm, I hear from you guys is you're trying to solve developer problems, you know, everyday problems. So, Finance. They, I didn't even realize the the whole economics of it and saving money just through the subscriptions and refining that process as well. Uh, on top of all the great tools that are just going to be at developers' fingertips. So awesome! I love it. Um, now you mentioned um, Alchemy, Covalent, you know, QuickNode. What other tools are you guys planning on uh, implementing? And you know, how far do you go with it? Yeah, so Web3 is very unique uh, because there are numerous protocols that we don't talk, we weren't talking about six months ago that are extremely popular now. Even ones that we left for dead like Solana are now coming back with a vengeance. Um, and so the, the various technologies are, are continuously coming out every month. We're seeing a new L1 or L2, L0, L3. Um, we were seeing verticals that weren't even popular a couple months ago that are now popular. 
So obviously we had trad, uh, so we had GameFi, we had uh, DeFi, and now you're seeing like InsureFi, you're seeing all these really HealthFi, you're seeing all these interesting things come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the um, the depth and breadth of what's coming out is constantly increasing. So I don't think we'll stop. I think it feels like every week a new product comes on our radar and somebody's building really great tech for, let's say it's, again, a Solana, or maybe they're building something for health tech. And so we can say, okay, great. If you're, uh, if you're building amazing developer tools, we want to partner with you. We want to bring you the developers. So um, to answer that question, I don't think we're, we're ever going to stop. It feels like crypto is really early stages, early days, more and more things are coming out. So more and more need for, for what we're doing. Right now we have our um, you know, API suite, which is it's something about 200 different APIs are currently available and growing pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our, uh, smart, our unified smart contract product. So you'll get like the best smart contracts from all the best um, companies that are right there. We have our listener uh, product. So if you're looking for something to happen on the blockchain and you want to listen for it and then you want to make a reaction, that product's available as well. Um, and we have like our unified uh, billing and, and everything else. So we have our three main products and all the sub features and products under that. Uh, we've got multiple other products coming out down the pike as well. So we're still, it's still really early days for us because more and more developer tools are coming out you know, every week um, that are being built for all the different technologies. So it's an extremely exciting time to be doing what we're doing. Yeah, and I would imagine you would have tons of developers making inquiries like, hey, are you going to add this or add that? Do you have like a, a section on your site where you can kind of listen to the community and, you know, see what their their needs are? Yeah, so we are pretty open. I mean, we're pretty big on it. We're pretty active on Twitter, on Discord. Uh, you can email us or Telegram, uh, our website. So uh, we really love working, uh, for all of our developers. So if you have an idea, if you have something you need, if, you know, frankly, if you are building something, let us know. Um, but that happens pretty much every week or so somebody comes and says, Hey, I'm building this, or I'm building that, or I require this, or I require that. And, uh, that gives a signal for what to prioritize, uh, in the, in the future. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious as to what the sentiment is from the developer community, because this is a, you know, it's a great suite of tools. Um, what are they saying? So again, we are able to save people pretty significant money. There's not a lot of developers out there that want to spend the extra time and money doing the back end. The reality is people want to build for their customers. They want to build a great front end and, and build the great product up front. So we have, you know, rave reviews. People love the, the availability. They love the, the, um, the ease, ease of use and like saving money. So pretty much whenever we talk to somebody, uh, you know, people uh, start nodding, the lights go on. They're like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. I actually had uh, coffee and breakfast uh, on Sunday with a developer, uh, X Coinbase, they're building a ability for you to kind of remit payments through blockchain. And when I just like kind of explain what we're doing, he's like, that's so needed. That's awesome. And so we'll probably come on as a customer uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, people seem to love it and we're excited. Awesome. And uh, <clears throat> I'm gl- it's very refreshing. And I know you come from a product 
background uh, that you're, you know, you're actually listening to your audience. You're listening to your customers um, and, you know, rinse and repeat, you know, build and discover and kind of create and then listen and, you know, adjust from there. So that's really great. And with that product background, um, some of our listeners are product people. Some of them are marketing people. Um, and in this world, you know, uh, for a lot of people, it, it's Web3 is a bit still a bit of a mystery. And what we try to do here through Web3 Unpacked is kind of bring, you know, agency people into this world and see marketing people, designers, uh, UX folks. You know, with that said, um, how do you... Can you give us a breakdown? Because this is kind of an ingredient product, if you will, right? How are you guys marketing uh, Uniblock right now? Yeah, so we have a couple of different channels. Obviously, meeting people like yourself is helpful because you have your audience. But uh, one is our uh, co-marketing. So we have co-marketing with all of our integrations, uh, which is great because they're looking for developers to start using their tools. So that's been very uh, a very great channel for us. Another one is marketing with the protocols. So if you are a protocol and you're looking for developers or you're just looking for a way to get people to build on your tool set, um, you know, pointing to Uniblock is a great idea. So that's another channel. Uh, we also really try to do a lot of content, a lot of high quality content. So if you look at our, our blog, which gets disseminated through LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, we're trying to think about um, you know, thought pieces that we can do. So one thing, for example, is our 2023 wrap, kind of similar to what Spotify does, but for crypto. Mm-hmm. And sitting kind of where we are uh, in the developer stack, we get a lot of information about like what things are doing well. So for example, uh, again, I kind of said it before, but Solana, it's not dead. People seem to be building on top of it. Really cool. Um, parts of the world where we're seeing a lot of building. So Southeast Asia, parts of Africa. So we're seeing developers from those parts of the world coming in and really using the product and and kind of coming back. Um, And also like what people are building. So um, we're seeing people building uh, tokenized assets on our platform. We have people doing social networks. We have people doing things like, um, you know, ticketing. So can we tokenize your hotel rooms or things like that? So we've got this really cool, interesting information that we create content around, which is also another way to go to market. But those are three of the ones that we've kind of done uh, thus far. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, And that's what a lot of people are doing. Um, Even, you know, marketing through Discord and other other scenarios where you can unlock um, special tokens for certain portions of your your audience or your your customer base. Uh, That's something that we're actually working on here. Um, opening up, you know, green rooms and special environments for, you know, people who are, con- you know, con- either contributing or speakers or what whatnot. Um, so fantastic. Um, and, you know, one of the things, you know, it, it, we always like to explore the technology that guys like you are building. Um, but we also like to take a peek under the hood and say, hey, you know, how did you get started with your partners? How did you meet your partners? How did the idea come together from a a human uh, standpoint? Yeah, so I had had a couple of startups. One of them I sold to a telco. um, And so, and then spent 
uh, several years working with you know other startups, other tech companies, and helping other founders kind of um, you know reach their goals. And it was always a goal of mine to to do another startup and to be successful. So I you know it's one of those things where if you're on your deathbed, what's the one thing you'll regret? And I think for me personally, if I don't have a startup and we're not like a modicum of success, I would regret that. So. I always knew that was something that I would be doing. Um, and there was three kind of conditions that <clears throat> I, I required to be kind of a yes. One was, what's something that I could build for the next five, 10 years and still be passionate about it? Um, so clearly blockchain um, and kind of what we're working on is, is that. The second thing is uh, being in kind of like a financial and mental state where I could dedicate 80, 90 hours a week and luckily without getting paid. And luckily, um, you know, we were in that position um, just because of a couple of exits that we had over the course of the last couple of years. And then the third thing was, to your point, um, finding the people to work with that you're willing to go shoulder to shoulder with uh, at war um, for the next like several years. And so... Uh, those three things were really important to me. And when I met, you know, the first co-founder, David, he was working on a project uh, actually with a friend of mine and we kind of started chatting and, 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 and talking and over the course of uh, several months, almost like dating. So we went, we went and played pool. We went and had ice cream together and just did the whole like YC, um, you know, question answer. And I think for me, it's, is this person going to put in 110%? Um, you know, are they somebody that I want to work with for, you know, when things are bad, everything's great when things are good, but it's when things fall apart that you want to make sure you're still going to be there and, and be able to get things done. And so that's how we met. Um, and, uh, so David is our, uh, CTO and technologist. And then James is also, was also working with David and he's our VP engine. They're both extremely intelligent and have been working in blockchain for five plus years. Uh, David actually teaches blockchain uh, at the university level to help people get into the space. So yeah, it's a really great uh, team, but that, that's how we got together and that's kind of the formula for it. Yeah. Matching up, you know, energy levels and, you know, efforts and, and all, all this good stuff. And, you know, you mentioned it, it, you know, you have to be compatible on the good days and the bad days, right? And, you know, one of the biggest ingredients to being a founder or starting a, an ambitious project, uh, whether it be 2.0 or 3.0, is fundraising, right? Um, and I know you guys have done pretty well so far. You literally are just kind of getting out of the gate, you know, I think a year or a year plus, year and a half now for you guys. Mm -hmm. And you've raised 2.3, uh, over $2.3 million dollars from investors like Cadenza and our friends at Blockchain Founders uh, Fund, uh, Ali, uh, Ali, you know, it's great group of people over there. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't care what industry you're in, raising money in a bear market is horrendous. It's frightening. Um, and you guys seem to have done it pretty well and keep moving forward and, you know, continuing that that forward motion. Um, if you would give one or a couple of pieces of information to people who may be listening here um, that want to start their own project, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them from a fundraising yeah, perspective? From a fundraising perspective. So I think people need to reset their expectations. So when, uh, when COVID hit, you know, money was cheap, 
and 20, call it 2020, 2021, you know, first half of 2022, it was, it was actually fairly easy for people to raise, you know, people would go out with a deck and they would raise $5 million on $25 million and they would kind of go from there. And those days, at least for now, are done. You know, maybe they'll come back in a couple of years, but right now it's a lot harder than that. And I, I meet with a lot of founders who are just starting to get going and it's, uh, you know, they're like, okay, I want to talk to these three VCs. And I'm like, those are rookie numbers. You need, you need a lot more than three because you don't even know if they're deploying. Um, you need to have some, you know, uh, some critical mass and some pressure for people to start to kind of like actually give you term sheets. So I would say reset your, um, your feelings about how the market is and assume it's probably back to where it was in 2016, 2017. It's a little harder. Um, so that means you're going to have to be more uh, prepared, but not have to work a lot harder. Um, you have to track everything and do a good job tactically. And so that's what I would say. I would say that the money is there, but it's a lot harder to unlock. So you just have to work a lot harder. Um, you know, generally you're spending, you're probably doing over a hundred meeting with a hundred VCs to get your pre-seed or seed kind of sorted. So, you know, maybe in the past it was 10, now you're 10xing that number. So um, it is a numbers game, but you also have to do a good job with each call. And I think that's the, the main thing is that founders are expecting, okay, I'm going to talk to this one person, it's going to unlock something. Or I'm going to talk to these three people, it's going to unlock and it's going to make sense. No, you, you definitely, like nobody's going to come and start making sense for you. You have to push really hard. So yeah, just reset it and work harder. Yeah, solid, solid advice there. And it is, it's, it's, it's ongoing. It's not, it's not the old ICO days, which I, to me was a disaster uh, for investors or anyone else. It was a giant rug pull for 90% of them. Um, and that puts a bad taste in people's mouths and, you know, VC and other uh, investors kind of become a little skittish and they drip some of the funds out because they want to see how the Web3 uh, ecosystem is going to track and, you know, what the return on their investments could could look like. So you have to keep chipping away at it. And I, I like your your thought, Kevin, of documenting things and people often forget that. Um, I have to do that with certain things like new business stuff. Did I, did I return those calls? Did I get the decks over? Did I do this? Um, it's good to keep yourself in check and your partners in check as well. So, um, great stuff. Now, um, heading back to kind of like the human capital of a startup, if you will, what is, what does the Uniblock team look like? Because it's interesting for for our audience to hear, you know, how a team's built up, how are they managed? And then, you know, where are they? Are they global? Are they local? Give us a sense of that. Yeah. So one thing I think that our, is our superpower is recruiting the best people. So we've got um, primarily engineers. So our team is almost like almost exclusively builders and engineers, um, which is very different than, you know, other startups that are primarily marketing or sales. Um, so we are definitely product and engineering led. Um, we, again, my, my co-founder teaches blockchain at the university level. I teach product and entrepreneurship at the university and college level. And so 
you know, frankly, we're able to be in class and say like, hey, this person's amazing, you know, come work with us. Um, and we put people on projects that haven't been done before. So, um, you know, if you want to scratch that itch and, and actually build something that nobody's done uh, in a space that's still evolving, Uniblock is the place to go. Uh, and these are the people that have offers to go with like Facebook or Google, but they, they choose to work on this because they feel like it's an outsized opportunity to make an impact. Um, that's the other thing. Everybody here makes a pretty large impact. The most junior, newest person to the most senior person. Um, we're a small team. We move really quickly. Um, and so really whatever you do has to, you know, make an impact. And so one thing I try to say is that we're building a product and we're building a company. So that's really cool. You get to help build a company and we're building an industry as well. So there's, you know, you're not just a cog in a wheel trying to change a color on a website at Google. You're literally like deploying, um, uh, you know, really important code that's not been deployed in that way before. So a product company and the company, you get to actually decide like, how do we want to work? Like, do we want to do all hands? What does all hands look like? Like, how do we, you know, some people are on different time zones. Like, how do we make that all work? So you're helping us think through that, which is really cool and build a company you want to work for. Um, and then the in whole industry. So again, like nothing we've done has been done before. So, um, and this is actually a space which is fascinating because if you and I wanted to invest in AI startups, it's a lot harder. Um, but if you want to invest in, you know, crypto, you can invest in the, the, the protocol layer, you can invest in the token layer. So everything we do has an impact all the way down to the investors, which could be, you know, uh, your mom and pop down the street. So um, the vast majority of the company, the team is in North America um, and uh, yeah, very driven individuals, mostly, mostly engineers. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't take giant bloated teams. Um, sometimes that makes things a, a lot harder especially from a management pr perspective. So a little bit more lean and mean um, keeps everyone focused um, and uh, engaged for sure. And you, you, brought, you, you brought up, you know, building an industry. And this is kind of near and dear to me because guys like you and I have an inside look into um, Web3 companies, small, medium, and large, right? Different protocols all of this stuff. But what we also see that there are human beings behind this and, you know, it's great. Hey, you know, BlackRock and everyone else with the FT, ETFs and new money flooding into, into the market. And that's great. But what really excites me, and I think for you too, is the idea of actually contributing to building an entire industry that has its own ecosystem unto its unto, you know, um, the markets themselves, uh, and is really really happening. And if more people understood that and saw that, they would have less trepidation uh, stepping or you know dipping their toes into this market, whether it be through investments or actually VC um, or personal investments or actually taking on your own projects. So really important. Um, and while we're on the topic of teams, because I know kind of management and leadership is, is a big deal for you, Kevin. Right. And I know you take a lot of pride in it and, you know, 
the 2.0 world tech world goes up and goes down, but those waves are a lot slower, right? And sometimes a lot less aggressive. Uh, 3.0 world is whew, it hold on for dear life sometimes, right? How do you keep your and you, you kind of dotted on it a little bit? How do you keep your teams engaged when when it's a bear market? Uh, when things might be a little slower than expected, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, that's a, an amazing question, and I think it's almost the flip. So my take is that companies die in the bull market, and that's when people start to overhire. They get over their skis. They start spending too much money. You know, money's easy to get. And then all of a sudden it's not. And to your point, um, you know, it just falls off a cliff and that's happened, mm -hmm. you know, every cycle. It's a four-year cycle and we're kind of at the early innings of the four-year cycle now. And so I kind of saw this, you know, from the outside. I saw this on the inside of Coinbase. And one thing that I try to look at is, okay, how do we, how do we lead this team um, over the course of that entire cycle? How do we take that, um, the variability out? Because it's hard to stay focused on building if you're worried about paying your rent. Um, you're worried about your job being there. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for us, it's how do we make sure that the team stays focused? How does everybody still feel like we're getting things done? So there's a lot to it. Um, but I think first off is being uh, aware that decisions we make today um, can impact us down the road. And so we, we raised money in a bear market when things were tough. And now that things are getting better, it's it's like kind of like a lot easier for everybody. Clearly, there's more um, investor interest from the retail side on the VC side. There's a lot more interest, more developers coming into it. Big companies are coming back. Um, you know, we're seeing Larry Fink and them say, hey, everything's going to be tokenized. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's how do we make sure that we have more than enough runway that we need? How do we spend thoughtfully on the company? How do we build everything in a sustainable way? Um, and how do we build kind of like the next, let's say Plaid uh, for crypto or how do we build the next like Twilio for crypto? So um, yeah, I think, I think that's part of it. I think also I really look at everything in these milestones. And so I think we're too early for OKRs and I know, you know, people love them or hate them, but I think it's, okay, everybody, um, you know, we're trying to get our MVP out the door or we're trying to, you know, onboard our, you know, big customers like an Accenture or an Ernst Young, or we're trying to, you know, bring up this new feature. And so usually those are somewhere between 30 and 90 day um, milestones and everybody's kind of focused on that and getting that out the door. Um, so I think, I think a couple things just to summarize. One is, um, well, actually we're building again, a product, a company, an industry, and that industry is greatly impacted by macro and investors. So just being aware of that, leading the team through it, letting people have visibility into like several years of how we're building and then keeping everything into smaller chunks. Because if you're saying, Hey, you know, um, we're going to be the next $10 billion plaid for crypto. And then you just leave. It's like, okay, great. Like, but okay, so I'm the developer. How do I like go back to my desk? Like, how do I, what am I doing? So you have, you can have that like overarching goal, uh, that vision, but then you have to back it up into, okay, here's our milestone. Here's where we're going to be. Here's how we build it. And how's how you, um, how you make an impact. And that last part with impact, 
again, I think we do a good job of hiring superstars that want to make that impact and so allowing them to do it. So for example, um, you know, we need to think about how to create um, a, uh, a billing feature that spans, you know, dozens and dozens of companies that works together. And that's like a pretty, actually, when you start to think about that, it actually becomes a pretty complicated thing to build. And we try to have people come together and think through it um, so people have a lot of ownership and, and can speak up. So I think ownership is another part of, of, of our secret sauce here at Uniblock. Yeah. And, it, you know, managing people is is really, really challenging. I managed creative folks um, and you brought up a lot of great points here, whereas finances like I don't need to I don't want to worry about, you know, the house of cards coming down on us. I just want to do great stuff. And the very nature of Web3, if if you're someone doing podcasts, developing front ends or developing UIs for it or whatever it may be. Um, you're there because it's a new puzzle. It's a grand puzzle. Um, and it, it, it's something to fix and build uh, and help create. It's not just, hey, let's put up a website. Great. Uh, if I see another website, I'm going to th throw up. Uh, but blockchain technology has so many moving parts. It's very detailed. And the architecture that goes into it, whether you're developing or designing, uh, is pretty intense, and that's the nature of why people are are there. Um, and Kevin, you're you know I love that you're very strategic with your not only the roadmap uh, of Uniblock the company, but with with your teams as well. Um, now, with that said, because again, you know some of our listeners may be you know starting something up, whether it be 2.0 land or 3.0 land. You know, getting an inside look uh, from founders like yourself, I always like to ask the question, what are some of the biggest challenges or hurdles you and your partners have had over the past year and a half starting Uniblock? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've already spoken about raising funds, but obviously when you're trying to be counter cyclical, it's always going to be difficult because investors are humans and they everything in their bones is saying, hey, crypto's dead, get on AI. And so, uh, and frankly, a lot of them, their LPs are saying, don't do a capital call. All my tech stocks are down. Uh, now's not the time. So if you're going to um, do something that's uh, counter to the herd, then you have to be willing to push forward. So that we've already talked about, but that's what I'll say. We knew that that's what we were getting into. And I think that the whole idea was would it would give us a year and a half lead on anybody else building this. So now we've got almost two years uh, ahead of anybody else, which is really good. Um, I think one thing I've struggled with to your earlier question is uh, getting ahead of ourselves in the bull market that we know is coming. And so I think some teams start to focus too much on token pricing I think there's some perverted incentives around that. So instead of building the right product for their customers, they're trying to you know, think about what their token looks like for their retail investors. And I think that is problematic. And I think something that stems from that, I can only imagine being in Slack or Discord or whatever, and just you know, putting rocket ships everywhere. And I think like that gets, the, everything that goes up and down, like the volatility in the space is pretty high. 
So if you're just shooting off rockets for, you know, nine months in your, in your Slack, what happens when the market kind of comes down? People start to say, oh, there's no more rockets. That dopamine hit is gone. So something I'm trying to be thoughtful about is being a little bit more even keeled uh, where it's, you know, we're not, you know, sure, Bitcoin ETF, hey, happy Bitcoin ETF day, and, and we move on. And that's something that you see quite a lot in um, traditional tech. So, you know, uh, pretty uh, famously, you see kind of the Zuckerbergs of the world say, oh, the stock went up, we, you know, uh, we went public, all right, everybody, you know, have your cake, go back to work. Um, or you saw, um, I think it was Tim Cook's message when they got bigger than Microsoft. It's like, hey, everybody, we're bigger than Microsoft. Okay, back to work. Yeah. And so I think that is the type of mentality that we need, because if you're just trying to pump up your token, what happens when the token goes down? Your employees are going to start thinking that their worth is being attached to the token rather than their, you know, their impact is impacting the whole company as a whole. So something that I'm working on as a leader in the company is, is keeping that excitement, but then realizing that again, companies die in the, in the, in the bull market. Uh, because if you've got everybody hopped up on dopamine that, oh my God, the token goes up, what happens when it goes down 90%? So something I'm just thinking about and would share with the listeners. Yeah. And that's great because this industry 3.0 world is filled with short bursts of dopamine. There's no shortage of it. Um, and I have to laugh sometimes when you see young, uh, young people, younger people in the industry on X or whatever platform you're on. And it's what happened to the ETF. I thought we were mooning. I thought we were doing this. It's like, no, well, people have to kind of buy in. There's still some marketing to be done. But anytime the cycle, you know, through any cycle, there's extreme highs, extreme lows. And your idea of patience is so important, whether you're, you know, doing quick trades or you're a macro investor or you're building, you have to take things in stride and educating your team to understand that. Don't panic. It, once you panic, it, you're, you're done for. Um, and, you know, watch the markets, of course. Uh, we, all, we all do. But it, it's just, it's all part of, of this world. And you do have to take things in stride. And it's funny to see people's first cycles. It's, you know, yeah. they're pretty much throwing up. <laughs> um, and uh, it's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. The game ain't over, over yet. Um, and move on and things get better and things progressively get better. Um, yeah. So it's interesting and fun to, fun to watch sometimes, but patience and just having a very calm, even keeled about it and about yourself and your team and not losing focus of what you're doing because it's not, nothing is going away. It's just the market's hiccuping. Yeah. So um, now with that said, since you're developing, you know, tools for developers to work on and this is a little bit loaded kevin but where do you see the develop like blockchain development going in the next yeah. one to two years yeah so i'm seeing key themes kind of emerge mm. uh one theme is just the ease of use which is something that we're really striving to make easier 
And, um, you know, UX and usability is something we're seeing on the consumer side clearly, but it's also, it's actually equally, if not more important on the developer side, because if developers can build stuff there, what developers are a leading indicator, what, what we will enjoy as consumers. And so if you make the tools easier for people to come in and build stuff, then we as consumers will enjoy them faster. And so. We're seeing that happen quite a bit. A lot of people, a lot of, a lot, a lot of developer tools are, are really investing in that space. And so again, we've got, you know, dozens of companies that are uh, partnering with us, but every, almost every week I see another tool set that's coming out that makes something easier. And so I think the developer experience is something that we're seeing quite a bit, which is really good. Um, another thing we're seeing a lot of is so there, when you ask people on the street about crypto or blockchain or Web3, it tends to be around the token or the, um, the price of the asset. And that's fine. And that's kind of where we started. Um, but I think right now what we're seeing is what is always been promised, which is what is that new use case? And so again, I actually haven't mentioned on this call yet, but we have something called a very interesting builder program. And so, um, <coughs> excuse me, I touched my nose. Um, the very interesting builder program is our way of leaning in. If somebody's building something, you know, world changing and on that program, we've got social networks, we have the ticketing, we have all these really cool things. And so, when I talk to somebody that isn't a believer about blockchain, they say, sure, but like, what's that killer use case? And I feel like we're getting there because the social networks that were built a couple years ago were really janky. And that incremental user is going to say, well, I'm just going to use Twitter. I'm just going to use Reddit. Like, why am I going to use this product that doesn't work? Like, it's too complicated. It's too broken. But now they're starting to be snappy. The experience is good. Um, so we're seeing social networks kind of do well with front tech, um, zero X people, a bunch of other ones that are really cool. Um, we're seeing real assets that we talked about with Larry Fink. And so, uh, whether that be tickets, bonds, stocks, we're going to see a lot of things kind of start to show their way uh, and manifest onto the blockchain. And so there's companies, all types that are trying to, you know, incentivize that. So this is a really interesting time because. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a heathen because I believe Web 2 and Web 3 will live in harmony. And sometimes it makes sense to have a centralized product. And sometimes it makes sense to have a decentralized product. And sometimes it makes sense to have a blend of the two. You can say, all right, you know what? We want to have uh, Reddit and we want to have maybe the ads product, some way to give back to creators. And then maybe there's some way to give like tokens and, you know, whatever, whatever, for example. And so, um, we think that making that easier to build, so the developer experience will enable more things to be, um, you know, in Web3 and kind of go back and forth. So those are the two big things that I'm excited about, developer experience and just the, the what, what is Web3 is starting to get sorted, other than just, you know, trading tokens, which is great, but I think there's a lot of really cool experiences beyond that. Yeah, uh, well said. And <clears throat> there is an education. It's not just for, you know, hey, let's bring on the uh, Wall Street bros and, you know, have them go crazy with an ETF. No, 
we knew they were going to do that anyways for a very long time. But it is about educating business folks on the power of what decentralized networks can do and tools can do. Uh, so that's ongoing, I think, every single day. Um, and um, frankly, you know, it, it, it is an, uh, an entire education process, but we're getting there. And the idea of use cases are bubbling up. You, right now, guys like you and I actually have to look for them, right? We know someone who's developing something. We haven't. It's just not that easy for people to see these. They are happening, um, and they it will be come a little bit, you know, faster and smoother uh, in the in the coming years. That will definitely help. But I I love the idea that you guys are supporting the user experience by supporting the developer experience, right? Mm -hmm. So I come yeah. from a very, you know, UX and design heavy background, creative background, and it really does, you just can't bolt on a creative director to a project yeah. uh, and have and have them understand systems engineering and architecture, right? So there needs to be this kind of middle ground of uh, continuous education up and through sideways through the organization so that that end user in a wallet or on a website can have that great uh, Apple-like simple uh, technology has disappeared experience, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Agreed fully. And actually on that last point, one thing that I believe pretty firmly is that we'll be there when we stop talking about the technology. When a consumer is just like, I just want to get my Starbucks. I don't care that it's on the blockchain. I just want my, you know, stars and points. Um, we're not there yet. We definitely spend a lot of time talking about the virtues of EVM versus Solana or whatever, and kind of the intricacies of smart contracts and on-ramp and blah, blah, blah. But when those of us like myself, like when we're successful, it'll be super simple and consumers are going to say, oh, I'm just going to, it won't even be a wallet. It's going to say, oh, I'm just going to go and collect my stars for, you know, my paying for my gas. And it'll be super simple. By gas, I mean petrol. I don't mean like, <laughs> get yeah, <either>. yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. I think yeah. we're, we're, we're getting there. So consumers don't need to worry about it. Because how many times do you think and sit there and say, oh, I really care about my HTTPS or I want to talk about like, you know, the IO, you know, the iOS operating system. You don't, you just want to get the app and you want to, you know, pay for your coffee. Love it. And you know, that's something I preach as soon as the technology goes away, that's when you get extreme adoption and comfort basically, uh, which is awesome. And you brought Solana. I actually think Solana is doing a pretty good job of, understanding the macro, the, the 40,000 foot view of the Web3 environment um, with Solana Spaces, obviously their tokens and the gas and the tools, um, but they also have this, the phone coming out. They're really looking at the whole ecosystem as a whole. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if they're biting off more than they could chew at once, but they're very ambitious. They're doing a pretty pretty good job of creating experiences that are pretty seamless. Um, so I think they, they're doing a pretty good job. I think everyone else has to kind of catch up. Um, now, with that said, and talking about tech, and obviously we don't have crystal balls, uh, you and I, but 
all of this is really good for us to kind of ponder and think about as we go. And one of the bigger themes these days, right, uh, whether you're in 2.0 land or 3.0 land, is the use of AI, right? Um, how, you know, I have my personal opinions on, on AI, but how do you see AI affecting the developer community, uh, you know, in the next couple of years? Because it is profound. Yeah, I think we're seeing AI impact blockchain through various parts of the of the of the cycle or various parts of the um, the chain, and then we're seeing um, blockchain impact AI starting to happen more often. So, on the developer side, yeah, like I think we're seeing um, more and more developers being able to utilize some AI. I think some of it's great, and some of it still needs to get there. Um, but we're seeing some of our teammates use it. So, uh, it just speeds up how you work, right? It helps you with your emails. It helps you with your content. It helps you with your developer experience. So in general, AI is like speeding us up and it'll get better. I think it's fine. It's better than it was two years ago. I don't know, series garbage. We're getting there, but it's not quite, we're not quite there yet. Um, and on the flip side, we're seeing a lot of, uh, we're seeing a lot of startups try to bring blockchain to AI and say like, okay, we're going to help you with rights uh, management. We're going to help you with um, understanding if this is synthetic or if this is actually Kevin Callahan and Rich Pasquale on the, on the call, right? So there's lots of ways to use that technology. And so we're seeing lots of startups kind of play with it, which is really cool. So I think, I think both, um, both technologies are cutting edge. Both technologies help each other. Um, you know, I think people forget that we've gone through multiple AI booms and busts. So we had the 2015 boom and bust. We had like the 2017, 2018 boom and bust of AI. And now we're in a bit of a boom, although unfortunately it looks like, um, you know, rappers and, and things like that might not be the, the holy land that people thought they were. So yes, I think they're helping developers, they're helping marketers, we're helping just general employees kind of move faster. Um, and I think it's working both ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. perfect sense. And, you know, from my perspective, it's an ingredient. It's a tool. Um, it's not, hey, let's start an AI, Web3 AI company. It just doesn't happen that way. Um, and I think it'll be used in really intelligent ways and, and clever ways through supply, uh, supply chain tracking and, you know, things like that and beyond. Um, there's wonderful ways to use it for, for you know, circumventing human decision-making when, it, when it's appropriate. Um, you know, and, I, and, you know, some people would argue, hey, you know, developers, if I see this headline one more time, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, you know, developers, beware, you know, uh, AI is coming for your job. Right now, I, you know, I don't know of any... Uh, AI algorithms or, or, or systems that will do solidity or, or rust, you know, that's pretty detailed. And that's a language and platform that's actually being developed as it's going. So I don't know if AI is going to have impact that way from a Web3 standpoint too much. But um, yeah, it's good. Everything in moderation and um, everything needs a job to do, right? Just don't fluff up things. Yeah. Um, Actually, on that note, if I could chime in. So mm -hmm. there's two views of the world. There's the um, 
you know, the new technology is going to be like buggy whips and you're going to be the last buggy, you know, company and you're dead and it kills jobs and everything is kind of like zero sum. And then there's the resource unconstrained where if everybody has AI, we can do 10x the amount actually. Sure, there's a bit of a, um, a rebalancing of who's doing what, but the GDP of the world increased exponentially. And we, it's kind of like when the internet started, it's kind of like when cars were introduced, it's kind of like when energy and oil was harnessed, we're gonna see this new boom. And so I am decidedly in the latter of the two. I think that if you gave me a tool that would 5X or 10X my engineers, I would use it and I would not, I would keep, I would keep hiring. I would say, okay, now we're doing, instead of doing, you know, 10 things, we're going to do a hundred things and we're going to go faster and move quicker because I know that's what our competitors were doing. Sure. Maybe you might have some bigger companies that slow hiring or, or, or scale back, but those of us that are trying to disrupt the, the status quo are going to be investing and we can move faster. So I understand people that are concerned that are kind of in the first camp, which is zero sum where things are going to, you know, shrink. Um, maybe they might be trying to start off their law degree or law career and they're thinking, well, am I going to have that articling student job or whatever it might be? But I think ultimately we're going to see a huge boom and more and more people will be uh, employed doing really interesting things. So I'm, I'm an optimist in that regard. I would definitely agree uh, with a lot of your points there, uh, Kevin, in especially the idea of we're, it's not replacing people humans but what it might replace are redundant tasks that usually suck up half of your day that's awesome and then that means your developers your team can be that much more creative and engaged in the work that they're doing because it'll be even that much more challenging so really great points um and as we wrap up a little bit here do you do you guys um, have any Twitter spaces coming up or events or conferences that you'll be at? Yeah, so we do Twitter spaces with all of our integration partners, anybody that asks. So, um, you know, uh, we don't have I can't think of one that we're doing right now. We've talked about it a couple. But Rich, if you want to do one, jump on. We'll have a fun one anytime you want. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I might have to come to ETH Denver. So I was going to do ETH Paris or ETH CC because it's in Belgium this year. And last year I was at uh, Token 2049 in Singapore and it was amazing. And I went to Austin. Um, but the more people I talk to, it sounds like everybody's going to Denver. So I haven't bought my flights, but I might need to get on that. So probably ETH Denver maybe Austin, definitely Belgium, ETH um, Paris, and then uh, Token 2049. Nice. Um, and I'm a big fan of Colorado and Ethereum, of course. Uh, so you marry the two and then, you know, geek out for a while. And then the rest of the day you go skiing. Not exactly. a bad deal. So bad I would deal. definitely recommend, recommend that one for sure. Uh, and who knows, you might see me there. Um, and you know, where can anyone in on the planet kind of get in touch with Uniblock, learn more, especially for the developer community? Yeah, so we spend a lot of time and effort on our docs. So uniblock.dev, their docs are there, our blog is there. Uh, you can reach us there. Uh, our Discord community uh, under Uniblock, our Twitter slash X community is there as well. 
Um, I'm Kevin at uniblock.dev, reach out. So yeah, we're pretty open, um, reach out any way you want, um, but the website's a good place to kind of just get started. Awesome, so thank you for that and thank you for joining us and for our listeners and viewers, check out Uniblock, uh, interesting tools that will, uh, you know, make, if you're a developer uh, for Web3, make your life a lot easier, actually save you tons of money too. Um, and there are lots of efficiencies built into it. So I would ask, you know, hey, check it out. This is really cool. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. We hope to have you back on. Thanks for having me. Really fun. Awesome.